We'll talk about the healing we need in our country. In America at this time, worry and stress are at all-time high levels. We've had the compounded stress of, what, two-plus years of the COVID situation, interrupting our lives, taking a toll. And recently we have the added stress of the Ukraine war with Russia and doomsday scenarios flashing across our screens every day. We have inflation. Who's ever heard about inflation? Uh, that's what they tell us. We, if you go to the grocery store, you know about inflation. Inflation is happening. Border security, rising crime, political divisions. And this stress has had a major impact on people's lives. There's a dramatic increase Mike, you probably know this, in alcohol consumption. It's going through the roof. There is a dramatic increase in drug addiction issues and people dying of drug overdoses. It's at all-time highs. There is a major increase in all type of anxiety disorders. And so the temptation is for you and I to worry, to get Stressed about the complexities of life all around us. So today we want to think a little bit more about what worry is. The Bible, or not the, not the Bible, but the dictionary defines worry as allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble. To allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble. Now, to me that doesn't sound like much fun, does it? So why do we do it? Why do we let our minds dwell on difficulty and trouble? You know, when we worry, we look at perhaps some trouble and difficulties that we're facing today, and we project that into the future, and we worry about it continuing. Or perhaps we're not facing anything today, but we project this worry and troubles into the future. It might happen, so I better be worried about it. And so we begin to worry, we begin to dwell on this type of thing. As I was thinking about this topic today about worry, it's, worry is kind of like a, a negative faith. A worry believes that things are probably going to get worse rather than better. And what are the results? What are the consequences of worrying? Worrying brings discouragement. It brings depression. It brings isolation. It brings hopelessness. It brings health issues. They say that worry and anxiety, which are very similar things. Anxiety is just, I guess, a heightened form of worry. It brings health issues. Now, if worry is so common, is it inevitable? Is it unavoidable? Or do we have a choice whether we worry or not? And worry affects every person, whether you're 90 or or nine, you know, it's all the way through. People worry at every age. Perhaps an even better question is, does God want you to worry or be anxious? Well, let's answer that question right now. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about small things. Oh, I, did, I read it wrong. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Whether small things or big things. And there we have God's answer. It's 
throughout the Bible. I just picked one verse right there. He commands us. It's not a suggestion. He says, well, if you feel like it, don't worry. If you're not too concerned, don't worry. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Some people think it's okay to worry about some things, the big things. Of course you have to worry about them, right? Well, the big things are covered under that word anything in this verse. Do not be anxious about anything. Again, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. To not obey a command in the Bible, what does the Bible call that? Anybody know? Sin. If we don't obey a command in the Bible, it is sin. So worrying is sin. What is wrong with worrying? What is the root cause of worry? Worry is focusing on a problem either that's present or we think might be present in the future and not believing that God is in the picture and not trusting in God. At its root, worry comes from unbelief that God does not have the power or is not willing to enter into our lives and to help us. The root of worry is unbelief and wrong priorities, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So what is the result of worry? When your mind is focused on present and future troubles, What is going to happen? Well, our thoughts are very powerful. And the Bible teaches us that what we sow, we're going to reap. And if our minds are focused on negative things presently and in the future, and that's what we're thinking is going to happen, that's what we're, our believing is going to happen, guess what? Oftentimes, it does happen. So today, I've entitled the message, How to Eliminate Worry. How many here would like to eliminate worry from your life completely? Okay. Some of you have it completely eradicated. You didn't raise your hand, so that's good. Uh, You can help us. But all of us struggle with worry. That's why Jesus gives us these commands, because we struggle with it, and he wants to help us to eliminate it in our lives. So Jesus is going to teach us today some of the wrong priorities we have that lead to worry and anxiety. And when we have the right priorities, it will help us to eliminate worry and anxiety. As I said, the commands about worrying and being anxious are throughout Scripture. I mean, we could spend weeks going through the different commands. But just by happen chance, when we're going through the Gospel of Luke, Luke 12, the first kingdom principle Jesus is going to teach us here is do not be anxious about your life. Beginning in verse 22, Luke chapter 12, and he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So our main kingdom principle here that we're looking at is taken right from this verse. Do not be anxious about your life. That's Jesus' command to us this morning. And then Jesus begins to explain some of the things that we are tempted to be anxious about. The two things that Jesus mentions are 
food and clothing in this verse. We are not to be anxious about them. Now you might say, well, Jesus, I mean, if I don't have enough food to eat, isn't, I mean, isn't that something I should worry about? Well, Jesus' answer is, that's exactly what I told you not to do. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Those are essentials of life. And yet we are not to be anxious even about the essentials. Why? Because food and clothing should not be a priority in our life. Say, what? They should not be a priority in our lives. The necessities of life should not be our priority in life. Now, how could that be? We have to live, don't we? Well, let's go on with Jesus' teaching. Verse 24, Jesus says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Well, the birds don't sow seeds, they don't plant crops, they don't irrigate, they don't do all those kind of things, they don't pile their food into barns like people do. They simply eat the food that God provides for them. Now, God doesn't just shove it in their mouths, they've got to fly around a little bit, right? But he provides food for them to find, and they find it, and they, and they survive fine. And Jesus concludes by saying, People are much more important than birds. And so the conclusion we are to draw here, if God feeds the birds, then surely much more will he take care of us. Much more will he give us the food we need to eat. And if God is going to do that, do we have any need to worry about what we're going to eat? And the answer is no. The next illustration Jesus gives in verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So the next illustration Jesus uses to help us understand why we are not to worry is to look at the wildflowers, the lilies of the field. You know, you see them sometimes. If your backyard is not perfectly weeded, you see them pop up. And they're beautiful. They're yellow or purple. Oftentimes we call them weeds, right? Because they're not supposed to be in our lawn. But they are beautiful, are they not? And God clothes them. He makes them look beautiful. They don't work at it. They don't have to go to the store to buy something. They just are what they are. And they're beautiful. And if God makes these transient flowers that are there one day and the next day they're gone, if He makes them beautiful, if He clothes them, how much more will He give us what we need with respect to our clothing. Now in this passage, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and obviously they were prone to worry. 
That's why he's talking to them about it. That's why he's talking to us about it, because we are prone to worry. And how does he end this verse? He says, oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Worry is caused by little faith. Worry is caused by not trusting God. Not trusting God to care for you. People of great faith do not worry. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus worried? You gotta think hard about that. No, of course not. He didn't worry at all. He was worry free. Absolutely not. Jesus didn't worry. And so we want to become more like Jesus. We want to become worry free and full of joy. Verse 29, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. The command is repeated a second time. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. So now Jesus concludes this section of his teaching. He tells us that believers are not to seek after their physical needs, which leads to worry. He says that's what all the nations of the world refers to, all the unbelievers. That's what, that's what the average unbelieving person does. Their whole life is consumed with providing for themselves. But as believers, we are to be different. We are God's children. And we have a Father in heaven. And what does it say? He knows that we have needs in our lives. He knows that we need to eat. He knows that we need to be, have physical clothing. He knows that we need to have a roof over our head. He knows the things that we need. And if our Father knows what we need, and we ask Him to supply us with what we need, what do you think He's going to do? He's going to give us what we need. And if He's going to give us what we need, we don't need to worry about it, do we? We simply must obey Jesus' command. Do not be anxious about your life. Now, as you're listening this morning, the temptation might be to think, well, you know, that's just not possible. I feel like I can't stop worrying. And, you know, everybody I know worries. They talk about it all the time. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about this. But everything that Jesus commands us to do, we can do with his help. Now, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be, we can't snap our fingers and, okay, as of this morning, I'm never going to worry again. But it's a journey to eliminate worry in our life, to put it to, put it to death. We can... Eliminate worry in our lives by getting our priorities right and having faith. And if you're struggling with worry in your life, worry is a red flag that there's something wrong spiritually. Worry means that we're thinking like an unbeliever. We're concerned about ourselves. We're not trusting in God we are seeking after the physical things of life and Jesus is going to tell us about the alternative what we should be seeking after rather than the 
physical things of life. And so God desires for us, for our lives to be full of joy and not full of worry. That sounds a lot better to me. Worrying isn't fun. How many people think worrying is fun? Worrying is draining. Worrying is exhausting. Worry tends to lead you down what I call a, a rabbit hole. You can dig in it deeper and deeper and people come out of that depressed. People come out of in, in, in terrible mental anxiety if you let it grab hold of your life. Ask God to help you to obey His command. Do not be anxious about your life. Rather, rather than seeking all these things that we need for ourselves, rather we are to seek God's kingdom in our life. That should be our priority. Jesus continues in verse 31, instead, instead of what? Instead of worrying about the necessities of life, instead of worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, how you're going to pay the rent, how you're going to pay for the increased gas costs, the increased grocery costs, instead of worrying about all that stuff, instead, seek his kingdom. And these things, what are these things? All the things we need will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So these two verses are a wonderful promise from God. He's telling us how to get our priorities in life in order. Rather than seeking after the things, the necessities of life, the things that we need in life, and no, we're not saying, Jesus is not saying we don't need them. He's not saying we don't need to eat. But rather than seeking after them, rather than making them a priority, which is truly self-centered, we are to change our priorities. Rather than focusing on ourselves, we are to focus on God's kingdom. That should be the priority of our life. And if we're seeking the kingdom, we're not going to have time to worry. We're not going to have time to worry at all. In fact, Jesus makes this promise that when our priority is seeking the kingdom, then all these things will be added to us. All the necessities of life God will give to us because he loves us and he knows that we need those things. Jesus tells us to fear not. Why does he put that in there? Because worry is a form of fear, is it not? We are not to worry. We're not to be anxious. We are not to fear. And then he calls us a little flock. You're a little flock. You're just like little sheep. Do the little sheep worry? No. What do they do? They simply follow the shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. The little sheep, that's you and me, we are to follow the shepherd. We're not to stray from the flock and stray away and get eaten by wolves. That's what worry will do for you. you stray, stray from the flock and you'll get chewed up by wolves. We just follow the shepherd, trusting him. Following the shepherd is seeking God's kingdom. So we are to... 
At the very end, it says it's God's pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, it's like you might think, if I'm going to seek the kingdom, what is it going to get for me? It's like, God's going to give you the kingdom. And the kingdom is the rule and reign of God with all the blessings that he has for us. So when we seek first the kingdom of God, he's going to bless us with kingdom blessings, both in this life and in eternity. So what does it mean to seek God's kingdom? Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. And Jesus, interestingly, turns our attention to the topic of money. Why does he do that? How a person spends their money shows what their priorities are in life. You will spend your money on what your priorities are. Rather than storing up treasure on earth in order to meet our physical needs, we are to give to the needy. Who are the needy? They are those who are needy physically and they are those who are needy spiritually. We are to, God supplies us with resources to give to help those who are in need in either of those ways. And when we use our resources in the right way, we are seeking God's kingdom. We are laying up treasures in heaven, as it were. Now, what's the most secure place that you could put your treasure, which is your money, your wealth? In the bank? Eh, I don't know. Inflation can kind of eat it away, can't it? In the stock market? Oh, Bitcoin, you know, uh, people are trying all kinds of things. The most secure place for your money, for your treasure is in heaven. Heaven is not affected by inflation. Heaven is not affected by stock market crashes, by thieves. So Jesus is telling us how we handle our money is so, so important. And he's not saying give everything away uh, so that you depend on other people to care for you. Uh, he will guide us how to use the resources he entrusts to us for his kingdom. And part of that, he will give us the resources we need to take care of our needs and our family's needs. But as we follow his direction, he'll give us more than enough so that we can help the needy. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A very important verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart and your treasure are aligned. If your treasure is here on this earth, if you never sow into the kingdom of God, where is your heart going to be? It's going to be here on this earth. It's going to be self-centered. You're going to be worrying. You're going to be not seeking God's kingdom. The reverse is true as well. If your heart is directed towards earthly things, if that's what you're worrying about, then, then you're going to be laying up treasure on earth. But God wants us to seek his kingdom first, to lay up treasure in heaven, to have our hearts directed towards heaven, to the kingdom of God. And then we won't have to worry because God is going to meet all of our needs here on this earth. We trust him. And as we trust him and as we believe, he will do that. So to eliminate worry, 
make your priority to seek God's kingdom in your life. Let's talk a little bit more about what it means to seek God's kingdom. To seek God's kingdom is to have your heart set on carrying out God's purpose for your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose for each one of our lives. Whether you're young, whether you're old, older, I shouldn't call anybody old, whether you're older, God has a plan for the rest of your days here on this earth. And it's a good plan. It's a wonderful plan. And so to seek the kingdom of God is to seek how you can follow his purpose, how you can help to expand his kingdom on this earth with everything that God has entrusted to you. A person who is a kingdom seeker is God-centered in every aspect of their lives. God, how can I use the things you've given to me for your kingdom's purposes? How can I use my time? How can I use my resources? How can I use whatever, my relationships, for your kingdom? Now the difference... Well, let's go back. So a, a kingdom-oriented person is God-centered. He's a person of faith. He understands that God has a plan for his life or her life. And so when he looks to the future, what does he see? Things to worry about? No, he sees good things. Maybe not easy things, but good things that God has for them coming in the future. Things to rejoice about, things to believe God for. Those who are not seeking the kingdom, those who are seeking simply to provide for themselves are self-centered. They're so concerned about their own needs, they don't trust God. And they, they worry about what may happen. And oftentimes what they worry about actually may happen. Because they're not trusting God. And the difference between a self-centered person and a God-centered person is reflected on how they handle their money. A person who says that they can't afford to give to God... A lot of people say that I can't afford to give to God because why? I'm using all my money to meet my needs. People who say that worry. They're worried that they won't be able to give, uh, take care of their own needs if they give to God. A God-centered person gladly gives to God. Gladly gives his tithe to God and his church. They trust God to meet their needs. And according to God's promise, he always does. He always does. Seek God's kingdom and you will eliminate worry. Third kingdom principle we'll look at this morning is to live in light of eternity. Verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So now Jesus turns our attention I believe this is still in the topic about don't be anxious, don't worry. He draws our attention to eternity, as he often does. And in this story, Jesus is like the master who has gone away. We know that Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's not here now. But he's promised he's going to come again. He's going to return. He's coming back. And as we wait, what are our lives supposed to be like? Well, Jesus tells us here, we're supposed to be dressed for action. 
We're supposed to be, the key word here is awake. We're supposed to be awake. We're supposed to be ready to take action for his kingdom. We're supposed to keep our, our lamps burning bright. What does that mean? Well, the lamps are, are symbols of the Holy Spirit. It means we're to be filled with the oil of the Spirit. We're supposed to be letting our light shine so that everybody can see, letting the kingdom light shine through us. And part of seeking the kingdom is to live as though Jesus could return today. To live as though Jesus could return tomorrow. He could return at any time. And we are ready. We are anticipating that and we are living in light of that. We are awake. We are alert. What's the opposite of being awake, awake, awake or alert? It's falling asleep. Being asleep, letting our lamps go out, and no longer burning, taking no action, not seeking his kingdom. He goes on with this story in verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table. He will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. So what's the key word here? It's awake. God wants to find us awake, seeking his kingdom and not asleep. And Jesus will serve those. Isn't that amazing? Jesus himself will serve those that are seeking him who are awake when he comes. What is this second watch or third watch? Well, in the time of Jesus' day, the second watch was from 9 to midnight. The third watch was from midnight to 3 a.m. Now, what do people normally do between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m.? Sleep. That's the sleeping time. And so, this speaks of being awake and ready spiritually, even when others around may be sleeping. Verse 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So finally, Jesus ends, us with, a war- ends with a warning. The master of the house, in this example, didn't know when the thief was coming. He was probably asleep. The thief broke in when he wasn't ready and stole his goods. Jesus often says that he will come as a thief in the night. At an unexpected time. At an unexpected hour. And so we must be ready for his coming. We must be awake spiritually for his coming. Now there are two possible ways that you and I will meet Jesus. And we need to be ready for If Jesus comes back to this earth in our lifetime, and I pray that he does, we will meet him as he comes. If Jesus does not come back in our lifetime, we'll meet him when we pass on. Either way, we're going to meet Jesus. And we don't know when he's going to return physically to this earth. And we don't know when we're going to draw our last breath either. And so we need to be ready to meet Jesus. To be ready to live in the light of eternity. And so eternity has to do with God's eternal kingdom. As we live for that kingdom in this life, 
then we have nothing to worry about. And I, I think that I myself, maybe some of the rest of us, don't think about eternity enough. Because thinking about eternity helps us to order our steps today. Thinking about eternity both for ourselves and for others. When we think about eternity as a believer, it inspires us to be awake. It inspires us to live for God. It inspires us to lay up treasure in heaven. When we think about eternity for unbelievers around us, it inspires us, it motivates us to reach them with the gospel. Why? Because if they're not reached with the gospel, if they do not become believers, they're not going to be part of God's kingdom. They're going to go to the other place. Eternal torment in hell. Something that's almost impossible to comprehend. This life is a short period of time in light of eternity. 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it might be. We're not guaranteed even that much. But eternity is forever. Sometimes it's helpful just to sit, look at the stars, and think about eternity. To order our lives today in light of eternity. Living in light of eternity is the way of the wise. Living in light of eternity will eliminate worry from our lives. And so Jesus teaches us today that our priorities in life are of great importance. When our priorities are self-centered, when we're just concerned about putting food on the table, meeting our own needs, it leads to worry. Because where is all the pressure? It's on us to do all these things in the face of a complex and ever-changing world. But when our priorities are kingdom-centered, we can be people of faith. Faith views the future positively. Because the future has to do with me and you walking out God's plan for our lives. They're good plans. He has it all charted out. All we have to do is follow it. Faith seeks to impact the eternity of those around us. To be concerned about our friends, our relatives, our workmates. Where are they going to spend eternity? And how can I be a witness and bring them with me to an eternity with God forever and ever? With the right priorities in our lives, we can eliminate worry and replace it with faith. Now to seek the kingdom of God first, we, the first step to eliminating worry is to become a believer is to become a believer. I think I missed a slide here. So, is to become a believer. To become a believer, you need to repent, to turn away from your sin. All sin is self-centeredness. Worry is one of the results of self-centeredness. Turn away from that. Secondly, believe that Jesus died on the cross that you might be forgiven. Invite Him into your life. Submit your life to Him as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to pray right now, and if you'd like to pray this prayer for the first time, if you're here present or you're watching online, I encourage you to pray with me. 
If you'd like to recommit your life this morning, that would be a good thing to do as well. Father, today, we thank you for your word. We repent, we turn away from the self-centered sins that we have committed or are committed, committing. We ask for your forgiveness. We believe that Jesus died on the cross to take away my sin. Come into my life. I believe that you rose from the dead, you're alive today, and I submit my life to following you as my Lord and Savior. Now let's pray about eliminating worry in our lives. If you would like to eliminate worry in your life, I'd like just to ask you to raise one hand to pray with me. My hand is up. Father, today we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you give us faith to believe what you're telling us today. Give us faith to obey your command to not be anxious about our lives. Forgive us for the times we have been anxious, for the times we have worried. Lord, we want to be free of that worry. We want to replace worry with faith. We want to replace worry and thinking about all the things we need with thinking about you and your kingdom. Help us, God, to make our priority in life seeking your kingdom first and foremost. Believing that you have a plan for our lives, a good plan. And as we follow that plan and trust you, you are going to meet every need that we have. Maybe not every want, but you're going to meet every, every need. Help us to remember that as we go through life this coming week and in the coming months. Help us to live in light of eternity. As believers, our home is heaven and that's where we're headed, to be with you. And so help us to lay up treasures in heaven as our focus is on your kingdom. Help us to put our treasure there as well. And we thank you, God, that as we do that, you're going to meet our needs. We're not going to lack. We're not going to starve. You're going to meet our needs. We believe. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. And we pray that each one of us would by your grace slowly put to death or quickly, over time, put to death worry. Remind us when we're worrying, when we're tempted to worry, to put our faith and trust in you. To seek your kingdom. Trusting you to meet every need that we have. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to have a brief time of, of healing prayer. We believe God heals. The scripture from Numbers 16. We see God healing in the New Testament. In the ministry of Jesus. We see him healing in the Old Testament. A perhaps little known story, number 16, verse 47. So Aaron took the censer, as Moses uh, said, and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague that had already begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made 
atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. And so sometimes, sickness is the result of sin. It was here. And as sin was forgiven, the plague was stopped. And so whenever we pray for healing, we need to make sure that there is all sin in our lives is repented of as well. So we're going to pray for healing uh, just for a minute here. And if there's a need in your life, um, I'd ask you to keep that in your mind. And we're going to pray right now and pray along with me. Father, today we believe that you're a God who heals. And to seek your kingdom is to seek your healing power in our lives here and now. We pray for those in our church family and those listening and watching, whenever that may be. We pray for healing in their lives. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. We speak healing. We command healing from all forms of cancer in Jesus' name. We command the cancer to leave in the name of Jesus, whether it's lung cancer or stomach cancer or colon cancer, in Jesus' name, be healed. We pray for healing of different viruses, God, and things that are attacking people right now in our church family. We pray, we command these viruses to die, to be eradicated from their bodies. We pray for a complete return of health and strength in each and every one. We command any, unf any infection to be eliminated, to be cured in the name of Jesus today. We pray for those who are struggling with back pain in the name of Jesus. We command this pain to be alleviated now in Jesus' name. And for there to be full restoration of function and agility in Jesus' name. We thank you for hearing our prayers, for moving by your spirit. In your name we pray, amen.